We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. And we are back with support for Veterans Minimum coming from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family's grapefruits. Guys, it's 2020. We're on lockdown, and we can't get that nasty new year, new me, new balls. Harry bushes might be an issue now with some of us locked down, but have no fear. The lawnmower 3.0 has skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag on your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the trimmer for your face on the crown jewels of your family. Use the promo code VM when going to manscaped.com and receive 20% off plus free shipping when using the promo code VM at manscaped.com. Guys, it's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer that comes with the crop preserver. Gotta fine tune. You'll thank me later. And so will your balls. VM at checkout, baby. I just like the sound. Ah, 
yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Your boy is in lockdown, but luckily enough, through my guy Mike, Lazy the Savage, as always, taking care of the boy, even when he's not in town, I am on the line with Jessica I, Evil I, UFC fighter, absolute savage, no athlete Jess do I respect more than UFC fighters. Welcome to the program. Hi there, thanks for having me. The reason why I say that is because I think it's a different different breed of athlete. The fact that you guys just go into a cage, get locked in, and have to annihilate one another. My hat's off to you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for respecting. I think that, you know, UFC fighters are, are, are a unique, um, you know, unique style of athlete. And it's so cool that the UFC, like, during this crazy lockdown time like we're getting a lot of notoriety because you know we are a little bit different we don't have we go commission to commission by state but you know the nfl has its own commission so they control it and it's it's kind of nice to to getting some of this publicity you know behind uh the ufc and getting their name out there it's pretty cool it's so wild that you guys have to fight or else you don't get paid, which is mm -hmm. why so many fighters are like, yo, we'll fight in an empty arena, no problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally was having the same conversation with multiple people. They're like, would you do it? And I said, yeah, of course I would. I would fight in an empty arena. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I was not one of these fighters that were scheduled to fight right now. Um, so I'm fortunate because I was, um, I had surgery about six weeks ago. Um, so I, I'm kind of fortunate that this isn't directly affecting me, but I think that it could affect me in the long run, you know, where I, I won't maybe get, a, another fight, you know, midsummer or something like that. I might have to wait a little bit longer because of these reschedules, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And I'm kind of, um, I'm just letting all this play out and seeing what's going to happen for all of us UFC fighters. And I think that the UFC will come through for all of us um, and supplement something for us in some another way. Um, so, I, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, waiting out and see what's going to happen. What uh, what surgery did you have, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I had cubital tunnel syndrome. Um, it's basically where you have a lot of a scar tissue around the nerve of your arm. You know, sometimes you hear about some of these surgeries where they go in and they clean out the joints and clean out some of that scar tissue. I had some extra scar tissue around my actual nerve, which doesn't make the surgery as complicated as, you know, as a full joint surgery, but it, it did sideline me for six weeks. And it's crazy because Monday was supposed to be my first day back at the MMA gym because I've been able to do work at the UFCPI and I've been able to do some stuff, but I was allowed to start punching again this week. So, um, I was so discouraged. Um, all right. I shouldn't say discouraged. I was really sad that I wasn't gonna be able to get to go back to my team and work out with everybody, um, on the mats. So now I'm just secluded to mat training at home. Oh man, that got to be unfortunate timing. We're kind of, we're kind of in the in a similar boat where we were looking forward to something like you your return off your surgery, me just turning 29 last week and of course I spent my birthday playing a shitload of Xbox. Obviously different circumstances <laughs> between the two of us, but was that injury something that happened in your last fight or was it something in the training camp that led to it? No, so it's again it's a, it's a scar tissue thing. So, you know, it mm. was my left arm, it was my jab hand um which, you know, I 
any anybody knows anything about my style of fighting, um, I love the jab and I love to throw it, and it's been one of my one of my best uh, I don't know uh, uh, techniques that I've had, almost like one of my one of my best weapons, and it slowly was starting to fade, and I was slowly starting to have issues that I I couldn't like I would lose my grip in some of my rounds or um, my hand, I, I just wouldn't feel it. Um, it was funny. I went back and watched this last fight and I sent my, um, my coach, Eric Nixick, I sent him a video and I was, I showed him our corner work and I just kept looking at my arm and looking at my arm and looking at it. And, um, that I remember halfway through the fight, I'm like, is my arm, like, is something wrong with my arm? But my arm was just going numb. So which, you know, delays some of the, the ability you can use of it, maybe kill some of the speed and, and some of the other things. So I was just, I was sick of dealing with it. And I, I have been for a couple of years now. So um, I just was like, you know what, this is the time. I want to go into my next title fight, um, whoever has the title, and whenever I'm given the opportunity to do it again. I want to be fully healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, going into the Valentina fight, I was so badly injured and just kept trying to convince myself that it was going to turn around on fight day, and it just never did. And it was so disappointing because, you know, now I'm always going to be known for that knockout, and I'm never going to be, until until I'm given that chance to fight for it again, to show how healthy I am. Um, and being at the UFCPI, my, my health, my overall athletic health has just in- been incredible and i'm so fortunate for that and i can't wait for another chance how many how many fights have you had in your career where you were going into that fight and you were banged up but it was either too late to pull out of the fight or like i said in the intro like i'm not just saying it to gas you up one of my buddies fights in the ufc jared gordon he's over at rufus camp and yeah, you know, I always tell them, I'm like, dude, you guys are like sick individuals, and and I mean that with the utmost respect. So it's just a different breed, man. It's a different level of savage. Everyone likes to, you know, everyone does some push-ups in the gym, and they put a video up on their Instagram, and they're like savage mode. It's like, well, yeah, not not quite like them. So how many fights are you or training camps, I should say? Because I do feel like the training camp takes a lot out of you. Where the fight, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's sort of like a relief when you do your weight cut. And you get to the actual fight. Well, so that's what it is. You know what I mean? I don't think that there's a fighter that hasn't gone into the UFC and was and had some kind of damage already going to. But there's a difference, right? Damage goes into it because, you know, leading up to a fight, we're hitting each other. We're doing these kinds of things. So no matter what, we're beat up. But it's a matter of actually injured, right? Like injured mm. going into that fight. And to be honest, I, I have no problem in, in, you know, admitting this. I was making six figures just to show up for the fight. And a part of me, <laughs> I'm a gambler. You know what I mean? I'm a risk taker. And the things that I do, um, you know, I, 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 I really couldn't turn down the money. I really needed the money. I had moved to Las Vegas from Ohio um, and I had moved um, a couple people from Ohio with me to help me um, as coaches. So a part of that was like, hey, you know, I'll relocate you. I'll help, you know, make sure your, your living arrangements are paid for. Um, but you got to coach me. So there, there was a lot of cost in, in getting here and then and then the title fight. So it was just like it was so many things that were like gambling. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, all right. I've dealt with a bad back for for many years. This is probably the worst it's ever been. 
but man, a hundred G's, there's no way I can't fight through it, fight through it. And I, and I was, and I was doing great. I mean, Valentina, where she had finished Caitlin in, in a certain position, I just muscled out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was, I was on track and as much as people want to downplay it, like she, there was nothing I was scared of. Unfortunately. I mean, I, apparently if you hit me in that one spot, I go down. <laughs> right. I go to sleep. So good, good job to her. Out of all the girls that I have ever fought, I have never been put to put to sleep in that way. And I think a lot of it was like relating to like my life. I was exhausted from the move. I had separated from my thirteen plus year team, who was like a family to me. And there was um, some some unfortunate arguing, and it was just a lot going on. And I thought. You know, like, hey, I'm a fighter. I'm used to this kind of stuff. I'll get past it. And I didn't. (laughs) And I didn't. And it just, you know, it really changed me in a lot of ways. And I'm so glad that I experienced it. Because had I not experienced that, I I don't think I would be who I am today. I I really don't. I mean, maybe I'm just used to going through some, you know, very traumatic things and always being able to learn from it. I don't... um, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I experienced it. And I'm I'm glad to get back healthy this next time when I'm given the opportunity to fight. I'm, I'm, I'm very much ready for that. And I will wait and I will fight any girl they want me to before. If they, you know, like they want me to fight another girl before we go against Valentina again, then I'll do it. I, I have no problem with that. That's just more experience um, for me. So, um, but I don't know that they're going to make me do that. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to hang tight. I got the surgery. The The fight's about to happen um, in June. So um, if that means I wait till August, I guess I'll, I'll wait till August. I feel like you're in good spirits despite that. And I know one of the things I wanted to ask you was how you handle, like you said, everyone remembers you for that, unfortunately. Right. And it was like. You always just see it like it's become like you see the Askren knockout pretty much any time you're on Twitter. And the thing that happened to you is one that gets shown over and over again. But I feel like you're in good spirits over it. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. No, of course. Yeah, I'm not saying that like, yeah, you wear it with a badge of honor. I think that that's what it is, is like acceptance, right? Acceptance Mm -hmm. allows you to be more understanding, right? When you're not accepting everything will frustrate you, right? Like, every time I would see it, I'd be so discouraged. Like, I kind of um, have developed, and I don't know if it's with age, with meeting other people and seeing how they do life, but I was able to start being like, I was able to start looking at things and kind of finding the the funny in it, you know what I mean? Finding the humor in it, finding the, the almost that level. And because when you reach that kind of level, you become a certain um, untouchable, you know? And I... I, I want that for myself and, and I've been able to establish it. So, you know, it's, it's awesome for me. And I think that most people need to learn that since we're in such a socially affected world. And, you know, just by what people say online can hurt your feelings more than if they said it to your face. And I just don't, I just don't understand that. I, I if I don't know you and you're not saying it directly to me, you, I, I, I can't, I can't take you seriously. How how did you handle all that post like on social media? Did you just stay off it for a couple of days or weeks? Was it something that? Or no, you... I posted the very next day and you know put on a nice message with my face. I mean, there was no damage. There was no. I didn't have a black eye. I didn't have any 
physical damage. I wasn't hurt, you know, or anything like that. But I think that society needs that more than, you know, the kind of people that go and hide. And I think by nature, because we're so prideful as fighters, that we don't like feeling defeated. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I was defeated by, yeah, that night. But as, as a woman, as a person, like, I'm not defeated. It's going to take a lot more for that to defeat me and make me feel bad about myself to the point that I don't enjoy the, the fun things in life. You mentioned that you moved, I guess, recently to to Vegas or within the last year or so. Yeah. Where um, were you? Where are you originally from? Are you from Cleveland? Well, I'm from Ohio. I moved to Cleveland um, when I was 19 years old, um, or 1920. I I moved finally up there within that that time. Um, but I'm originally from a small town called Ridgetown, which is like outside of Youngstown, it's a little country town. Um, is where I'm originally from, um, but I moved to Cleveland to uh, to train at Strong Style um, Mixed Martial Arts and Training Center, um, which is you know known for Stipe Myosic and me. We basically started um, with Marcus Marinelli, the head owner and coach over there, and um, you know he was my longtime coach, and those were those were my people for so many years, and just uh, we we agreed to. We couldn't agree to disagree, which ended up leading leading to me making the decision to go to the USCPI and be closer to that, um, and me creating my own like little Jessica I team, you know, uh, just an individual team that was based around me, that was focusing on me, um, and that I didn't have to feel like I was going to commit myself to another family again because you know it was hard leaving leaving them was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life and. It still is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and you know, um, it was a it was a big change, and I think that the reflection of of that, you know, kind of shined through on the on the actual fight itself. So I, um, yes, I'm originally from Cleveland, and I, I'm totally a hometown girl. I, I love Cleveland. Vegas is home for now; it's not home forever. Um, but this is gonna mean I don't know if I'm gonna go back to Ohio yet. I haven't made that decision. What's uh what's the change been like on a day to day basis going from, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, or even the Ohio area to going to Vegas? Um, you know, it, it's it's different. You know, like I I have my moments where I miss Cleveland, and um, I'm still kind of in the honeymoon stage. You know, and I I don't know if that's uh will go away soon or. Uh, I, I don't know, really know yet. You know, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm in a honeymoon stage still. Like, everything is different. I've never lived on the West Coast ever in my life. I was born born and raised in Ohio. Um, so, you know, being here is just different, and I'm enjoying different. You know, I'm, I'm finding I'm finding that different. Um, before, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm a Midwestern, you know, and I feel like Midwesterns have a mindset of, like, blue-collar workers, keep things the same, get a schedule, and, and do that, and I, um, I've been able to establish that here, but it's, again, it's just new. You know, I, I see the mountains every day surrounding me. I, I mean, I'm used to not seeing that. So I, I feel like that makes it a little bit more fun. You know, I love that the weather is, you know, not as cold and I don't, I have to shovel snow this year. So like, it's, it's different. It's different. I'm still trying to figure that part out. 
Man, I couldn't agree with you more about the not having to shovel snow because that is something that I got to deal with over here in New York. Uh, I've, I've been born and raised in New York in, in the five boroughs, so that's all I know. I, uh, I'm, I'm always saying that I'm very jealous of people that live out west just because not even the weather. Like, the weather is dope. Don't get me wrong. But are you like a sports fan outside of MMA? Like, what? Do you follow oh, any sports? Yeah. Big time. Big time. I love that the Raiders are going to be here now. Like, that's, I love, I love football and I love being able to be a part. Like, I, I love sports. I'm, um, when people always ask me, like, oh, what are your hobbies? What do you like? And that way, I'm like, I love, I, I can find interest in everything and I can find the, the greatness in, in most things. So, yes, yeah, sports, love them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty much an open minded person when it comes to stuff like that. What's like? What What are some teams that you root for? Is it Is it a lot of Cleveland, so Cleveland inspired? Well, yeah, you know, I was always a hometown girl. I'll always be a hometown supporter because it's a direct, you know, um, effect on me. But um, well, my first football love is is actually the Green Bay Packers. Me and my brother, my little brother, have been Green Bay Packers fans since kids. I think mine was just because I liked green and yellow, and then I loved the cheesehead thing that they did. And then somewhere along the lines, I became a true fan. Um, but then I love Green Bay Packers, or the Green Bay Packers, the Browns, and um, I'm going to have to support the home team, and that's going to be the Raiders. What What's like the buzz in, in Vegas for actually having another sports team? Because I know they got that hockey team, which was cool how they went all the way to the Stanley Cup that one year. But what's like the vibe living in, in, in Nevada and living close to Vegas of having a football team there now? We'd have to think, you know, a lot of people who have moved to Vegas have been either transplanted, but you have some of these people that have been here their whole lives, you know, and they're pumped to finally have a team, right? The people that have been here forever. But then you have all these people that have relocated mm-hmm. here because of business or because of weather or retirement, whatever it might actually be. So, like, they're now going to get their their sports team. You know what I mean? They don't have to support the one from there. They can go to local events and, and do that. But they are pumped. They are very, they are very pumped. Yeah, that's a, that's the a issue that I have with New York. Because, Jess, I, I actually, like, my 9 to 5 job is I'm a food vendor in the city. I got a food truck. So a lot of my customers are all these, like, big shot, like, six-figure economics and finance people that are from, like, you know, like one of my customers, he's actually from Cleveland. The other one's from Houston, and they're from all over the country. So when they go to support the Knicks, and I'm a I'm a diehard Knicks fan, and I know I've been through a lot my life with them being so bad. But a lot of times when they go to games, they're not. You don't see a lot of fans at the Knicks games or or even Yankee games or Met games. It's like you see those transplants that have come over because their office has all these tickets and these suites and whatnot. So it's like. Yeah, you're rooting for a team, but it just hits different. Like me, I'm a big Giants fan, so when the Giants lose, well, the last couple of years they've been losing, and I know that they were going to lose, but like growing up when they were good and they would lose, it would like dictate my entire week. <laughs> you know what is so funny is I have so many guy friends that are like that and so many people that are like that. I think that, um, you know, it's – it's it's funny to me in, in, in that way. And I'm sure it's gotta be hard for you as a sports fan when you see some of those things too. So I condone you for for at least getting past it. What would you say being in Vegas is is like a, a, a stereotype of Vegas that's just not true? Like me when I think of people living in Vegas, I just think of the casinos and the sports books. So what's like a 
Well, it's like a narrative that's just not true. That, 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 because the first time I came to Vegas was the first time I, um, well, I, I've been to Vegas before, but the, the first time I fought here, um, I hated it. I was like, I hate this place. It's terrible. There's so much cigarette smoke. There's so many people. There's, you know, like all they do is party and nobody, like nobody cares about others. And then like, I had all these like crazy opinions of, um, of Las Vegas. So that when, um, the decision was to move here and then like, I really started looking into it. And, and I actually, when Stipe, um, did the ultimate fighter, um, against DC, um, I had actually came out here with one of the other coaches and stayed for like 10 days. And that was the first time that I was like, Oh wow. Like I actually like Vegas. Like this is what it's like to be off this trip. This is what it's like to, to not be, you know, in, in the, in like that, you know, the mess of like right. the partying and like, you know, people and the gambling and stuff like that. So it was really, really awesome. It was really neat. It was really fun to, to have that. So when the decision was to move to Las Vegas and I had looked at some gyms, you know, I'd actually looked at, um, Chris Weidman's gym. Um, a couple of my friends train over, uh, girlfriends that train over there for their glory kickboxers. So I went up there for two weeks, um, stayed over there and, the Garden City area, and it was either that or Las Vegas, and I was like, God, the PI, you just can't, you can't beat that, you mm. can't, you can't beat what you have there, and found a nice little place that's like right between the Raiders Stadium and the UFC PI, um, so I'm like eight minutes away from both, so I love the area I'm in, and I, and I love how, I love how it feels right now. Here comes the money! Here we go! Money talks! Here comes the money! Time to pay some bills with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, congrats. You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or they can bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. Open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. I'd have to dabble in that. You know what I'm saying? If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That is BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts. So, are you like relatively close to the Vegas Strip? Yes. Oh. Like Hacienda, Hacienda, Mother Road that I live right off of. You take that straight, it, like you're in between the Luxor and Mandalay Bay on that road right there. So, yeah, I'm very close. So I'm. Again, one of the cool things about it is, like, when people say, like, oh, well, you know, Vegas, it's exhausting. Like, even if I do go out, right? You say I go out with Mike or I go out with some of our friends and, and, I'm, and I'm out, like, the party ends. I go home. You know, I'm home. My, my house is right here. So I don't, like, it's hard to get wrapped up in it, in my opinion. Maybe that other people come here and then they just, you know, they party for seven days straight where it's like I go home and it's like tomorrow I have I have work. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to, this was my sixth time that I, I've been to Vegas. 
And this was like the first time, I guess you could say, I went for work. Like, I actually went there with a camera and my recording devices, and I did some interviews and whatnot. So it was a little bit of a different experience for seeing Vegas like that. Whereas, you know, the first couple times I went, like, you know, 22, 23-year-old, just drinking 24-7 and partying and going out and gambling. What you're supposed to do if you're on vacation, you know what I mean? You're supposed to go enjoy it. Right, so it was definitely a different experience going there and and seeing Vegas, like, I guess how you see it, you know, where it's not a party and a fiesta 24-7. What is it like being a UFC fighter and being a chick going out are like guys intimidated to approach you to like talk to you do you get recognized like what's that vibe like it is and i think that sometimes people misconstrue me in general right like they think i'm you know i'm mean or i'm not nice and you know which could be sometimes like it's not that i have resting bitch face but i have like i just mind my own business and it's not a matter of me trying to be insulting to others or hurt others feelings or do anything of that nature i'm just i just mind my own business i just i leave others alone and i i just do my own thing and i think that sometimes that can come across as intimidating and and rude (laughs) but it's really not i'm 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 not trying to be rude i'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings i'm not trying to that's never my intent so yes it's rather difficult my dating life is like it's up and down constantly, constantly, which I laugh um, because um, when it really boils down to it, I am 100% focused on my career right now. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it would really take a very, very special man to, to get me to, to really want to commit to him. And he would have to be such a big part of my career and be so good to me that he makes my career better. Um, it doesn't – I'm a very um, – I'm a very, like, I don't know, I don't know what the best word for it, but maybe, um... Focused. Um, I'm very focused, yeah, yeah that, but, like, I want to put all I can into each, to anything that I do, if it's cooking, if it's, um, being a sister to my brother, if it's being, you know, um, a girlfriend or wife, um, to somebody, I really want to focus and make sure I really treat that, that position very well, and I just don't know that I could give a man um full attention in that way and that's not fair to him and i am old school in that way i do believe that you know a woman should be the keeper of the home and and be there for children and you know be supportive and and be all that i just don't know that i could give that to to that person and and i don't know if that's fair you know is that that makes sense like it's not even it's not that i don't want it but they would always be second they would always be second even third to my dogs into my my career. <laughs> no, nah, I, I to be completely honest with you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a legitimate. You know, I, I think it's a respectful thing. You know what I mean? But I don't know that that society is, is accepting of of a woman being like that. You mostly hear of guys, you know, right? Like the guys are always kind of being like, "Baby, like I can't get locked down. I'm 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 doing things right now. Like I don't I don't want this." Whereas you know I do, and it's it's I feel like it's it's caused friction in, in my dating life. No, I just think like you're just focused on your career. There's nothing wrong with that. You're right. That is a that is a stigma that's still around where guys don't want to be tied down because of their career. But then when the girl says it, it's looked at different. It's looked at uh, from a different perspective. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that's a legitimate answer where you're just really focused on getting your shit right. There's nothing wrong with that. So I applaud you for that. He's just going to have 
have to be super special. That's all. He's going to have to be a certain kind of man. And unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> has there has there been any weird interactions with with like guy fans when you go out? Oh God, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. please I share mean, some. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like most times, is that you know when they when they meet me, and especially when they're drunk, they're just like, "Oh my God, it's you! You're here!" And then they're just like in my face. And I have a lot of really good guy friends. You know, I've got like Mike, my brother. You know, my my one jujitsu coach. You know, lives with me. So we're like a, a little solid crew. So when that happens, you know, you get the drunk guy at the bar who's like, "Holy shit, it's Jessica!" I and he's just drunk and he's like goes into complete like i need that like it's like their brain shut off and they don't know how to how to act normal so usually what's happening is like you know my guy friends are like hey man like back off of her because i'm usually like all right dude you're wasted i appreciate it you're probably a really great guy but no i'm not giving you my phone number no i'm not going home with you um so either chill out have a drink and be cool with our friends or they're either going to kick your ass or you're going to get kicked out of the club so act right <laughs> yeah you know the 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 crazy the craziest thing is i was uh I, i've been to a lot of ufc events and i just started taking like brazilian jiu-jitsu and i find it crazy how many like killers there are within certain just like groups of people walking around like you said like I might come up to you at a club and not know that one of the guys there is a, well, I would know because I know that you're a fighter, but I'm saying like the casual eye that comes up to you, they're probably like, oh, she's probably with these dudes and oh, I could take them approach kind of thing. And then not knowing that that guy probably has a black belt or he's probably just like a, a savage. Yeah. Well, you know, and even, even, you know, like even in that, like, you know, in that kind of setting, like, you just, but that should be an example to anybody. Fighters should be to people, like, you don't know who you're fucking with. So, like, if you don't know, like, you don't go in just thinking you're the toughest man in the world in those kinds of situations. So, you know what I mean? Like, you just don't know what you're dealing with. So, I mean, we all, you all have to be careful. <laughs> nah, yeah, you definitely. Fighters are, fighters, fighters as well as jujitsu people. We obviously have, um, you know, high, um, Usually, most of us have a high toleration for being able to handle bullshit, knowing when people are being, you know, a little too much. So we try to always give them the benefit of the doubt. Because I'm not going to let somebody else get one of my friends in trouble or me in trouble. So I do like to think that we're a little bit more patient and understanding of like, hey, like, look, man, either stop now or something could bad happen. You know what I mean? Because we're always looked at as like, oh, fighters are this, that, and the other. So I feel like... We, like, literally, if, if you hear about a fighter fighting or something happening, like hitting somebody else, something had to have escalated because we already know, A, we're licensed, mm -hmm. and a lot of time we have people with us. So, like, I feel like that level is, is you know, always in the back of everyone's head, too. Yeah, that's the thing where I, I think you guys just know that it would be, like, a no contest. Because I've, I've hung out with UFC fighters or just fighters in general, and... They never try to start anything. It's always the dude that comes up to them at the bar and yeah, the others, yeah, yeah. Because you you know you know that like this average Joe, it, like it, it wouldn't even be like you said your license too, which is something that gets factored into it because you can get in serious I am trouble. Not gonna get, yeah, I'm not gonna get myself in trouble over some guy who's got, had a bad day at the bar. His girlfriend broke up with them and. You know, now he's trying to back on somebody else or he's trying to start a fight with somebody. Like, I just, that stuff doesn't, it doesn't rest well with me. And, and that and that person won't be able to take me out of my element. 
but now, they're fighters. That's why I laughed. That's why I laughed about Brian Ortega and Zombie. I'm like, hey, at least they like that whole situation. I was like, at least it was fighter to fighter group. and it wasn't somebody else like at least it was within the fight world industry and it wasn't some brand new person that was gonna you know cause a huge lawsuit all it did was draw more to the fight right have you ever been a part of anything like that or been around like were you there for that um no actually i had had surgery like that was still me and like a couple weeks ago when when that happened i was like to stay back and i try to keep myself out of harm's way and just stay to myself, um, and I have, this is literally, like, when I say, like, I've already had myself kind of quarantined from people for weeks now that this has happened, like, it's, like, double time since the surgery, so, um, no, I, I, I've had my fair share of fights, um, but I try not to get in the, in the whole publicity stunt shit, you know what I mean, like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a realist, like, if something happens, I, like, you're not going to know about it. There's fights that have happened that these people aren't going to know about. I'm not going to do it where people can turn it into a headline. That's the thing. I think it's because, like you said, that just brought more attention to what we're talking about is Brian Ortega slapped the translator for Korean Zombie, Jay Park, who ends up being, he's a rapper. So it's like that just brings more eyes to that fight whenever that's going to happen. Or even the, the, the storyline of them two eventually crossing paths where that's what I was trying to ask you. If you've ever been involved in maybe like something that would lead to a headline. Um, yeah, I pushed back. Me and Bitch Gohea, whenever we fought in Cleveland, um, she like got in my like she came up to me, got in my face and there was like a shoving match. Um. That would, I would have to say the biggest one thus far with with somebody, but I I don't like I said I I, I don't know that that would happen because I'm just not like again I'm not that kind of person especially when it comes to my career I'm very I am very sensitive to my career right I'm already a firecracker right if I'm gonna fight somebody at a bar nobody's gonna find out about it because I don't want my blue check mark being signified with the name of a fighter outside of actual fighting I would keep it completely quiet no one would ever hear about it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like my my name, like I kids follow me, right? right? Like, and I'm at least I'm at least knowledgeable of that, right? There's already enough enough people doing all the things that they do, fighting. You know what I mean? Getting in fights, getting in trouble outside of their sport. Like people are already doing that. I don't I don't need to be that kind of person. That's like that. No, that's it's not. That's not me. That you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. That's you're... not how I. That's not how I am. I think you just have self-awareness and you realize that you're a public figure and with public figures, it's always, you know, you're always guilty until proven innocent, you know, like it's always something where people are just going to, because you're in the headlines, it's they're going to make stories and they're going to, they want clickbait and they want all that to take place. So like you said, like you have kids following you, so you want to, you know, want to be a role model and lead by example because what you do is badass. I, again, that's just like that's kind of how I am. You know, I am a I am a medical and recreational user of marijuana. I think one of the things that um, I've struggled with with the most is you know how to you know be able to use it publicly without affecting my following or my people, um, but also without creating a stigma on my name. It's just why I don't even go there with them. Right? There's so many things that I love and do that I don't share with the world. Because I don't need to be judged based upon something that you fully either A, don't understand, or it's just not your thing, you know? And I don't want to lose a fan or a person over that, so I keep my 
I keep my career and my image very cut and dry. You know, when when that part's over with, maybe that some of these things you'll you'll start to see a little more. When do you think that that's going to become something more of the norm? Like, I'm not a to pull the curtain back. Like, I'm not a weed guy. Um, I've actually never I've never dabbled in it, and. It's just something that like was never an interest of mine. And when I was younger, I was like, oh, man, like it's like you got cooties kind of thing. Right. If you did it. But as I gotten older, it's just like I realized how many people do indulge in that. And also how it it's just there's so many positives to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I my, my life since since I was a little girl, marijuana has been a heavy influence into my life as well as my at one point was a, a large a large part of my my dad's income as as well as what kept me um fed and what kept me alive and and clothed for so many years so those kinds of things like for me um I grew up in such a heavy using family that I don't think that it, it's it's very normal to me mm-hmm. you know like when I, I if someone said they they didn't it's it's weird for me right like holidays you know we're spent around eating you know and having everybody together but the smell of marijuana was always in the in the air and it's something very very normal to me now has has the stigma changed you know we're seeing more of that it is a medical thing and that people are using it in positive ways so it's not really looked at as like the devil's grass or you know what i mean there's something along those lines so i love that the stigma is changing um and and also seeing you know the medical benefits of it fully you know what i mean because there's a lot of great medical benefits for people like myself as well as um as well as um you know protecting of of multiple fighters of uh, cte and you know uh, traumatic brain injury i want to go back a little bit to your your fighting career you you end up going on a four fight losing streak how were you able to deal with that like how were you able to persevere and then you go on a little bit of a hiatus about like 16 months out of the octagon and then you come back and you win three in a row so what kind of growing did you do in that in that losing streak because i always whenever someone loses and even you coming back and winning your last fight the way you lost the one prior to it man i feel like that's like a win and a half in my book and i'm not just saying it because you're on with me because it's like I can imagine loss after loss piling on and going through those fight camps and doing all that and just beating, getting the shit kicked out of you at camp and then during your fight and how it could be so demoralizing. Like you see these fighters, they suffer a loss and then their whole career is altered. So first off, I tip my cap to you on your perseverance. And second, just take me through what that ride is like. Um, yeah, because, you know, fighting isn't the hardest thing I do. Uh, fighting is something I choose to do. My life has been full um, of ups and downs, and because of that, um, I, I'm I'm a little bit easier to pick myself up from that. So again, like I I only say that again, fighting isn't the hardest thing that I have done or been through. So um, it's just the one emotional thing that I love the most. So yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard to look myself in the mirror at times. It um, it was hard to to go back to the gym a couple times. It was hard to find identity with myself in that time. I didn't really know who I was. I'm like, man, if I'm not a winner, who am I? If I'm not a fighter, who am I? And, um, you know, within that time, I had a lot of problems with my father. Um, my father had actually passed away. And, you know, there's there's a lot of um, mixed information out there on just, you know, how me and my father and our relationship was. But it was probably 
Um, it's more than what people understand, um, but it did directly affect me and my career as well as um, things that were going on that, you know, he passed. And, you know, I, I went on a big win streak, and I, and I do contribute some of that to that and um, contribute some of those things that I went through um, with that. Um, but it kept made me strong. That that's what made me strong, you know, and and helped. And when I was given my chance to go back to 125, um, just you know, where I knew that I was my best, you know, I shouldn't have been a one a bantamweight. Um, I'm a thick girl, but I'm not that thick, and I'm just not as big as some of those girls that are in that weight class. And um, I got to see that right when I grappled with Misha Tay right before I made my return to 25. That I was. I got to see what she was like two weeks after the fight. She was 157 pounds, and, you know, I was 145 trying, you know, at, at that time. Uh, so just noticing the difference between the weight classes and and the size that when I was given my opportunity to, to be in the weight class that I had been waiting for and that I had, you know, spent my entire career in, it was it was a, it was was a almost a godsend and, and just a reinvigorate, like reinvigorated me to want to be better, to want to do more for my career, to really get back on the horse and, and, and go after the goal and go. And, and again, going after the title is something I want. It's not, it's strictly for me. Mm-hmm. It's strictly, it's strictly the, what I want. What's one of the, what's how, how bad are weight cuts for you? Um, so I struggled. This was the last fight it was the first time I've ever missed weight in 13 plus years in my career. And, um, my body is different now. I'm growing up. I'm, I'm not a young fighter, so I have to really plan in my off-season as well as my in-season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 25 cut is never terrible. It's not something I can't do. It's, you know, like, I'm, I have to make sure I do it properly, and there's a lot of planning. You know, unfortunately, I'm a chick, and, and I do have um, a menstrual cycle, and I can't control that. I don't. I don't take hormones. I don't take birth control. So those kinds of things are, it, it, it can, it can just happen. And lose, trying to lose weight when you're menstruating, it's pretty much the worst thing in the world. Um, and you're very fortunate that you don't have to deal with that, but <laughs> it does make it hard. And, it, and it's something I've never had to deal with. And I didn't think I would ever have to deal with on that level. And it, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And it cost me a lot of money and, you know, we're, we're obviously planning and working and as a female, right? We're still new to, um, you know, some of these doctors and how to lose weight. And it definitely is challenging for women. I, I think, how do you feel when you, when you're doing the weight cut though? Like I know that your last one, you missed it, but just in general, like what is, what does your body go through? What kind of transformations is it? Cause you, you hear some of the stories of some of the weight cuts and out when I was in Vegas, I ran into Paulo Costa at like one o'clock in the morning at the MGM and I went to shake his hand and he was like, Corona, Corona, Papi, Corona. So like, he like gave me like an elbow. So I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. That dude had to be like 230 pounds. Just like, he looked like a tank and I couldn't standing next to him. I was like, I cannot believe that you cut to 185. So like, yeah, I, I, I think that everybody's a little bit different and you know, we have to, everybody, um, we all know ourselves and look fighters. I feel so bad for us because we're pretty much like have the worst eating habits in and out of camp. And it's not even like, I can honestly say we restrict so hard, restrict so hard. Then all of a sudden we're like, we want this, we want this, we want this. And then we go kind of wild with it. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're like, Oh man, I'm, 
200 pounds, you know, or I'm, I'm whatever I am, um, because of bad eating, but, um, everybody is different. Everybody holds weight differently. He is a very muscular man. Um, and which is going to almost like make him appear to look bigger than what he is. But a lot of times it's fluids and, you know, maybe it might've been sugary foods that, uh, like that, that almost make you look that way, but make you, you know, just appear way bigger. So I guarantee you it's not easy, but it, it is challenging, right? Like I think it just depends per case. You know what I mean? Like of, of who you are. Right. Yeah. Like the, I feel like everyone's body's also different too, where I have uh-huh. a, I have a friend of mine where he's one of those people that's a piece of shit, right? Like he'll eat and drink whatever he wants and he has a six pack and he has the best body of all my friends. And then like, <laughs> With me, if I don't go to the gym for a week, you're like, yo, Nick, you've gotten fat, dog. And then, like, if I go to the gym for a week, you're like, oh, man, you're losing weight. Like, that's how just my body is and my metabolism. So I guess it's like a gift and a curse whenever I got to, like, do, like, my own version of a wake up before of a vacation. Like, it works out. But what is what would you say your 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 body is like? Are you someone that could eat whatever you want and not have to worry or is there repercussions with it? I mean, I'm a little bit of both. It depends on, you know, like, and a lot of times what happens with us as fighters is that that week post-fight is where we gain all of our weight. So I've been on both ends. <laughs> Let's just say that. But once you reach a certain level and you're like, oh, man, I've spent four weeks of eating bad, then, yeah. And not working out, like, some of us might have injuries or we're on medical suspensions and you're like, oh, my gosh, I only have a two-pack right now. You know what I mean? So mm. I'm kind of an in-betweener. Do you have any like pre-fight rituals or, or maybe like a like a playlist? Like what what's what's playing in like your iPod as you're about to fight? It really depends. It changes every single time. It really does for me. I'm I'm different every single time. There's no like one go to? Um honest to God, no. <laughs> okay, no. okay, that's fair. No. No, I love music and I love that music comes always being released at different times and I love I love that. All right, as we're winding down here, because I know I told you about 45 and we're at that, but you're awesome and I appreciate your time. I want to ask you just uh, two more quick things. I'm looking at your win-loss record, and you have five decision losses. How? What is that moment like when you're waiting for the decision from the judges? Because you always hear the stories of like, well, don't let it go to the... Don't let it go to the judges because sometimes there's a bias or there's the hometown advantage. What is that moment like when you're you're waiting for the decision, whether you won or lost, and does it feel like an eternity? Yes, it's terrible. I've been on so many ends of it. I hate decisions. Like I'm really working on trying to get better with finishes, um, in, in that way, and that's something I I really you know I've had problems because when I'm in the gym, I get my finishes, I get my submissions, I get those things. So. Um, yeah, it, it can be pretty much the most miserable moment of your life. Um, and it can seem like forever. And, you know, some of those, the only one I don't disagree with in those decision losses is, is Misha. And Misha beat me. Um, as for all the other ones, I felt I won them. And even when I go back and look at the fight, I still think I won them. Um, so it sucks. You know what I mean? Like, but those, if you, if you look at all those girls, previous Olympian, um, previous champ you know what i mean like so i've, I've fought in some of the best of the best and my biggest robbery was betch cohea i mean that that was my biggest robbery last thing i want to ask you i've noticed that a lot of your fights have taken place on pay-per-view cards 
Is there a difference in maybe the 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 layout of the show and the, your your fight time and whatnot? Like, what's the differences between a, a pay per view card that you're fighting on or a regular fight night? That's a great question. Um, that has so many complex answers to it. Um, because you know, I I I fought with. Donald Cerrone and uh, Leon Edwards, and it was on Fight Pass in Singapore. But the reason it was on Fight Pass in Singapore because it was in Singapore, and then the deal was Singapore. And how are you gonna make that time? So, um, and that was a bomb card. All the people that were on that. So it, it really just depends. I've been very fortunate that I've been able to be on some very good cards that were high stakes that put me in a position where a lot of people would see who I am. So I'm fortunate for that, but you know my pay stays the same no matter what card I'm on or where I fight in the card. So that's why even this last one, when they put me in another UFC local as the first um, or the second, third fight, I was like, absolutely, I'm pumped. I make no more or no less depending on where I'm at in the card. So if I'm if I'm not if it doesn't matter about placement, then I want to get it done and over with as soon as possible. I don't want to wait till the end of the night. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, that's true. When you look at the time, the time changes. Where's where's like your favorite place? We'll end with this. Where's your favorite place to fight or that you fought at? Um, I enjoyed Singapore. I hated the flight over. I love the disconnect from, you know, people and I could just totally focus. Um, wow, my my favorite one. Hmm. I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know that I can answer. I love them all for all the individual ones that they were. Um, you know what? I, I lied. Canada. Toronto. Toronto was probably my favorite. And I don't know if it was the group of the people, the fight, like, but that week really rocked. That week really, 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 really rocked. What was it that made it so different? Because I love Toronto. I that's, that's what I'm saying. That's... I don't know. I Maybe that's it. Maybe I liked Toronto. It was just everything about that week was great. Everything. Everything about the week was great. Yeah. Every time I go to Toronto and I come back, I tell people that it's just a way cleaner New York City. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Except for the underworld. The underworld's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. But that uh, I feel like that's for, for any place that has something like that. Yeah. Well, Jessica, I, one of the top contenders in the women's division in the UFC. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking your time. But I feel like you have a lot of time now with all this lockdown shit that's going on. So thank you very much for joining the program. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, and I totally appreciate it. And we literally talked my phone down to two percent, so we are perfect. <laughs> oh man, you know, I'm I'm starting to get a little good at this stuff, Jess. So I kind of have my my eye on uh, everything that's going on. So let the people know if there's anything you got to promote, plug, uh, whatever endorsement. The floor is yours. Tell them where they can well, find you. You can find me on all social media at Jessica Evil Eye. Um, and just stay tuned on my Instagram and Twitter. I'll be announcing my podcast really soon. I can't wait to start dabbling in that world like yourself and, you know, talking with people more. And really just stay tuned for, you know, all of this craziness. Try to try to find some positivity and in such a secluded time. You know, we're all in this together. Nobody is alone. Everybody is at home the same exact way. And let's just fight through this. Did this shit my whole life. Yeah. All right. Before we sign off, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Big shouts to the six members of our franchise tag on Patreon. 
Ryan Pisner, my guy, Piz, baby, Bills Mafia. Enjoy and congrats on Stefan Diggs, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleates, Daniel Gibson, Christopher Velasquez, and Bo Clore. Thank you all so, so much for your donation to the program. My guy and the Supermax, Nick Chavez. Shout outs to you, my good brother. And thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you guys later. Thank you.